Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Welcome to This is Civity Radio Show. I'm Gina Valeria. Civity helps people and communities build a culture of respect and empathy across difference. And our interviews explore how people across the country and world are doing this in their communities. Today, we welcome Andrew Hanauer, director of One America. Andrew, welcome. Thanks for having me. Gra- uh, great to have you here. So first of all, tell me a little bit about One America. Sure. So the, the One America movement was founded after the election um, by a group of faith leaders and community leaders to address the divisiveness and polarization in our country. So we um, are a vehicle for bringing people together across religious, racial, political divides um, to, uh, to build relationships and, and really try to push back against uh, the culture of divisiveness in our country. Okay. Now, that happened after 9-11. Um, and what gave you the idea to do something like this? Yeah, well, I think for us it was it was a combination of factors. I think the, the inability of people to even uh, listen to opposing points of views, the quickness with which we categorize each other, actually really dehumanize each other, um, and just the fact that uh, on top of all the sort of personal um, negatives of, of having these these, these uh, divisiveness sort of impact our personal relationships. Um, there's the, the fact that we can't get anything done as a country uh, in Washington, in our politics, uh, when we are so divided that we see anything the other side does as, as a, a, a hateful um, act rather than just a difference in values. And so um, for us, I think it was seeing the real need in our country, mm-hmm. um, even in our own personal relationships with friends and family. Um, and seen uh, a gap in basically the public discourse where there didn't seem to be a coordinated uh, voice in the public sphere calling for civility, respect, and inclusion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And so it's it's amazing that you actually decided to get up and do something about it because a lot of people felt <laughs> that way <laughs> but didn't necessarily go and take take the reins. Getting up and doing something about it is, is I can tell you, is a lot more fulfilling than yelling at cable network television or um, arguing with people on Facebook. Oh my gosh, yes. I bet it is. Um, so tell me a little bit. It's been um, it's been uh, a few, several months now um, and you started in Washington, yes? Yes, yeah, so, well, we're, we're a national organization. Our our, our base is, is, is D.C. in the, the area in D.C., around D.C., but um, we really are, are doing this work around the country. We have We've only been uh, around uh, sort of officially since March or April, but mm-hmm. we, um, we've done projects in D.C., New Jersey. Um, we have projects in the pipeline in Michigan, Pennsylvania, Utah, Arizona, mm-hmm. um, Washington, California, and the South. Um, and, uh, and I think for us, you know, what we really want to do is, um, is get out a- anywhere, talk to anyone, meet with anyone, um, engage anyone. Um, and really uh, heal this country by refusing to draw the sort of um, 
narrow lines that we're so quick to draw where you say anyone who believes this or thinks this is, isn't untouchable. Um, and I'm not talking about Nazis when I'm talking about this stuff. I'm talking about, you know, we draw those lines around people who simply disagree with us on basic issues. Um, so it's going well. I think the response has been really positive. That's I great. Think people, yeah, people really feel the need for this. They really see the the brokenness in our country right now. And I think they intuitively grasp that now is the time to go out and engage um, and not, you know, retreat into our bubbles. Yeah. And you make an excellent point. Uh, it's it's not it's so easy to say, well, that person's a Nazi. Therefore, no, I'm not going to or that person's a white supremacist or whatever. Um, but it, most people are just grasping for the middle ground or or have nuances of difference, but actually agree a lot. And and there are so many people that can be reached, that can be engaged with. Uh, so that's a really important point, I think, you make that we we seem to lose sight of. Yeah, I agree. And I think the other piece of that, too, is if you have someone who, who, who you think is demonstrably wrong about issues, um, the best way to change their mind is, is not to yell at them on Facebook. It is to engage them and have, um, have non-confrontational conversations. And that's proven by a study um, from Stanford and UC Berkeley that showed that a 10-minute non-confrontational conversation actually reduced bias, reduced prejudice, and, and even impacted people's political views. And I think that's really critical to understand um, that this is also the most effective way to engage people. But the other piece of this is that, as I mentioned earlier, um, we are so quick to assume that people from the other side of the spectrum, whatever that is, um, are motivated by by negative things. Uh, you know, in, in other words, if I'm uh, pro-choice, then everyone who's pro-choice is there. Is that because they, they love women's rights? And everyone who's pro-life is because they hate women's rights. And of course, it's, that's not the truth. Mm-hmm. The truth is that um, we're very bad at understanding the motives of people who disagree with us. Mm-hmm. And so when we draw those lines, uh, you know, and say, you are beyond the pale, um, we are usually finding them very, very badly. Yes. Yeah, it's true. I mean, most people, when you ask about the nuance behind it, or the most people actually agree, I want children to be safer. I want to save children's lives. Well, you know, pro-choicers and pro-lifers both believe that. So let's start from there rather than starting from the, the, the fact that you're pro-life or pro-choice. Um, so yeah, t- absolutely. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about um, some, I guess, victories or proud moments you've had in, in your so far brief history. Uh, what, you know, what are some engagements or, or things that you guys have I- experienced that really have stood out to you? Sure. So I think um, one of the things that we've been really happy about is that we've been very effective so far at, at positively engaging people across really the far ends of the spectrum. So we have um, we've been able to have build very good relationships with, uh, for instance, I think some 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 of the more more conservative evangelical pastors who um, have felt not not as welcomed or not as engaged in previous interfaith work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we don't view our work as as interfaith so much as multi-faith, which sounds like a very uh, academic distinction, but I think the difference is. Um, we are not asking people to come together to say they are all the same. We're asking people to authentically show up as who they are. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's an important distinction. So that's been very positive. We've had very good engagement with um, with people across racial divides. Um, we, on our last project, we had about 100 people, and we had surveys asking them if they'd ever heard or if they heard something during our event that they don't normally hear from their family members or friends, you know, a perspective or a viewpoint. And overwhelmingly, the answer was yes, they had heard something that they don't normally hear, and that's a victory right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the other thing that's been a victory is that we have, um, we have, as I said, reached people from all across different spectrums, from law enforcement, African-Americans, Jews, Muslims, evangelical Christians, Mormons, um, groups that are sort of affiliated with the right. And really on only just a very few occasions has anyone ever said, no, I don't want to be involved in this. Um, You know, and so that's, I think that really speaks to people's willingness to engage. Yeah, and that's something in itself because for all we hear about divides and polarization and silos, there is this desire, as you say, like if you, when you approach someone, yeah, let's do that. I want that. You know, I've had, yeah, yeah, I've had students reach out to me just on their own, message me on Facebook and say that, you know, they're progressives and they say, Hey, do you know of any conservative podcasts I can listen to? Because I really would like to understand better. And it's like, there really is this desire to try to understand and engagement is obviously an incredible way to do it. Um, you know, yeah. you, you brought up evangelicals a second ago, and, and it's funny, I, I was just uh, teaching this morning and was talking to my students about headlines, and a headline from the Daily Coast uh, said something like, you know, evangelicals have ceded moral ground, and I'm like, wow, that's, and, uh, and you know, while it's easy for progressives to feel that way, there, are, as you say, are a lot of evangelicals out there who are frustrated and want to engage and make the world better. Yeah, well, and, and I mean, we're again, like the phrase evangelicals refers to millions and millions of people who have by no means uniform beliefs about anything from theology to politics to culture. So, you know, we need to be really careful about just labeling people as this or that so quickly as well. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So when you bring people together and they, you know, they're willing to have the conversation and they have the conversation, you say that they, that by and large, they walk away and they say they've gotten something valuable out of it. Do you know if they're taking that into their lives and, and sort of practicing what they got in, in their lives? Have you heard anything from previous uh, participants? Yeah, we, we, we think they are, and we are working to design our program so that they, they do. You know, what we do is, for our initial programs, we largely um, we do a sort of a model where they they do a community service project together, the different groups, mm-hmm. um, and then they sit down and have a conversation and a meal. I mean, yeah, so there's um, there's those three components. We think the community service project piece is really important because it gets people um, doing something positive, mm-hmm. uh, sort of seeing their shared values lived out in front of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it also has been shown, I think, a lot of times that um, the racism, bias, prejudice, all those things reduce dramatically when you are doing something active together, when you're solving problems together. Um, and then on top of that, I actually haven't you know, Googled this to make sure that it's true, but what I was told by someone was that there's even brain science around um, the fact that when you do something physical, like hiking or, or construction or whatever, um, the, the impact it has on your brain actually is such that it 
it puts you in a place where you're more likely to hear other people's perspectives and um, be open to uh, sort of um, uh, positive interactions. Um, so, yeah, I, I need to make sure that's true before I go around citing it, but that's what I was told. Um, so I think all of that is, is sort of part of our model. And I think what we've, what we've seen are people who, who do our programs, and then afterwards we've had a synagogue that invited uh, Muslims and Christians to its um, Shabbat services. We've had um, groups talk about doing follow-up community service projects together. Um, we've had groups talk about, okay, this was great, now let's get more people involved, let's go find other communities to get engaged with what we're doing. That's so the, the, again, it's early, but yeah. Yeah, the positive, it's, been, it's been positive. Oh, my God, that's so wonderful. I really hope it's true that physical activity helps people be more open to others. <laughs> that's so great. I, I hope so, too. <laughs> but it makes sense, right? Because if you played sports or have done – then you – these bonds form, you know, over that, and you're, and you're more likely – I don't know. I'm really hoping that's true. I'm going to look it up, too. Um, we, go ahead. I was just going to say real quick, we work with, we work with neuroscientists, and we – um, we listen to their advice on, on how our brains work and how um, certain emotions fuel a willingness or unwillingness to interact with other people. Mm. And it will, what comes across and just strikes me every time is that the things that make sense on an intuitive, moral level um, about what feels whole and right and healthy in our lives also make sense on a neuroscientist level. Mm. Um, so it's not a surprise when you're doing something positive for your body, like exercise, um, you're also positively impacting your brain in a way that can allow you to open yourself to other people. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I, I believe it completely, but, um, but that's, I think, part of what we're trying to do is really get people into a good place in, in every way we can. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Have you found, and I'm curious because I know that other organizations who do this kind of work have found this to an extent, have you found uh, that one side or the other is more or less willing to engage, such as you have more progressives or you have more, um, you know, more conservatives? And have you found that at all, or has it really been an across-the-board, like everyone wants to be in? It's, I don't know that there's a clear answer. I think it's, uh, I've noticed pattern. Um, one pattern I've noticed is that conservatives who live in um, very, very blue areas, um, on the one hand, are very... Uh, cautious, mm -hmm. because I think they feel that like they've been burned before and mm -hmm. feeling um, not welcome at conversations. Mm -hmm. um, but also, I think they are very excited about the potential of of, of a, a space that actually um, welcomes them into a conversation and, and, and doesn't prejudge them, which is what our organization is. Mm -hmm. So I think for them, it's sort of like, well, if you guys are real, we're we're on board for sure, but you know we, uh, you know you fully want shame on me or whatever it is. So shame <laughs> um, on you. I think I, I I got that backwards, but yeah. So I think that's that's one pattern. We've also noticed um, things that progressives in in uh, in general have been extremely receptive to this, but um, I think in some cases um, there certainly is um, hesitancy or just a feeling like, um, you know, what we need to be doing is fighting the Trump administration, not having conversations with, with people who we think are wrong about everything. Um, but I think that's been the vast minority of mm -hmm. progressives. I think most of them have really seen 
why this is so important, and, and I think they want to be part of it. That's great. That's amazing. So how did you connect with Civity, which uh, we, you know, we at Civity do similar work as far as encouraging people to engage across difference to solve community problems. Uh, how did One America and Civity get together? Yeah, so we were connected through another organization that said that, you know, Civity was a group we should talk to, and we're, we're really glad that we did because mm. uh, we think the work that Civity is doing is really important. And at our last um, event, Civity um, helped us design our discussion questions oh, to um, really help the participants break the ice, get to know each other, and hear each other's stories, um, I think, in a really meaningful way. So we're really grateful to work with Civity, and I think Civity does really important work. That's wonderful. Now, you are um, you work nationwide. You're based out of D.C., but you are having a launch event in the Bay Area this week um, on Wednesday. So tell me about the event, and then tell me what that event is kicking off. Yeah, sure. So we are... Um, we are having a, a week of meet of events and meetings here in the Bay Area. We actually, I spoke at um, a church in a synagogue over the weekend. Um, our, our board is actually meeting here in the Bay Area on Tuesday. But Wednesday night, um, we are having a launch party at 6.30 p.m. at Congregation Netavot Shalom, which is on University Avenue in Berkeley, the, the synagogue there. Um, it's going to be a great event. It's a, you know, it's a combination of a sort of here, learn more about us, um, uh, hear from some other great speakers um, from other organizations, and um, we have a silent option, food, etc. So um, I think it'll be a really great event. There's a really good turnout already, sort of just from from tickets online. Um, and folks who want to sign up can go to our website, oneamericamovement.org, and if you scroll down to events, you'll find it. Just click on it, and it'll take you to where you can you can get a ticket. Great, oneamericanmovement.org, and we will make sure we link that to the podcast <coughs> as well. Um, so so that's wonderful. And I, I, so uh, a couple questions based on that. So in the Bay Area, um, it's seen nationwide as a more progressive or liberal-leaning, left-leaning place. Of course, there are you know, definitely communities of people who are not, not so far left on the spectrum. Um, you know, what, what do you hope to and expect to do or experience or achieve here in the Bay Area or in this region? Well, I think part of what we're trying to do is really spread this message everywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that this is really a, um, it's a critical time. It's a really scary time in some ways. It's yeah. really um, depressing time in certain ways. I mean, watching the news right now is sometimes very difficult. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of people feel that way. But it's also a time of, of amazing opportunity, and I think we have an opportunity to really transform our country um, and, and not just kind of uh, tread water in some ways, but really think about how do we reimagine how we converse with each other, how we do politics, how we do media, um, and how we build movements that aren't just exclusive um, to one group of people or one particular narrow viewpoint, but rather inclusive of anyone who wants to make our country a better place. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think, you know, here in the Bay Area, um, it's, a, it's a great place to spread that message, and I think that's what we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. um, we are having conversations with different groups here about potential events, um, uh, projects, excuse me, with uh, people coming together across differences, and I think that will will take some time to develop and figure out what that will look like. But um, but that's, that's another piece of it as well. That's incredible. You know, you bring up a really important point that, you know, in, in this time we're living in, 
there are a lot of people who are um, who are scared, who are digging in, and uh, and every time we come out and want to engage, something happens. And and I, of of course, the biggest thing that's happened this past week is the is the Charlottesville uh, violence. Yeah. And when something like that happens, you know, the people who the ones who say to you, no, we need to fight. I don't want to talk to anybody. They're wrong. You know, that becomes, I think that that sort of becomes a larger, you know, a larger bullhorn. And, you know, doing the work that we do, you know, Civity and One America movement, um, you know, work in, on the one hand, people are more aware that there's a problem, whereas before it was like, eh. Um, but on the other hand, people are more ready to do battle sometimes then sit down and have a conversation so so i'm curious i'm just kind of curious about your thoughts you know based on you know some of these sort of violent and stark things happening um how how these these you know communications across difference do fit in and how how do you bring them in without sounding tone deaf yeah that's a great question i mean you know first of all um white supremacy nazi ideology is uh, completely incompatible with any any movement that's trying to bring our country together or trying to make our country better. Um, and I think that the, the erroneous uh, sort of thing that you alluded to or idea that you alluded to that, that trying to bring our country together is somehow um, weakness in the face of white supremacy or even um, enabling white supremacy, I think is completely misunderstanding what this is about. White supremacy is the most extreme manifestation of divisiveness in our country. And it's also um, the, the, the white supremacy movement is actually, they would love nothing more than for the rest of us to be divided. Um, in, in, it's very interesting that the Charlottesville rally was entitled Unite the Right. right? Most people who consider themselves on the right want nothing to do with white supremacy. Mm-hmm. But what they're trying to do is paint this picture that, you know, it's, it's, it's them or the, you know, quote, radical left, mm-hmm. and that everyone has to choose sides. That's ridiculous. There are millions and millions and millions of Americans who categorically reject white supremacy, but don't necessarily agree with the left on all sorts of other issues. Um, what we need to do is be united with them in condemning hate. Um, and that's the strongest voice possible because then, then it's not just them yelling at the left, it's them actually being rebuked by the very people that they claim to represent. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really where, where the, the sweet spot is for, for counteracting you know, dangerous hate speech and, and white supremacy. But I think also um, you know, in this moment, uh, you know, what, what's happening in Charlottesville um, is a really good example of how really difficult issues, we can't even talk about them. Um, you know, and I think that um, the sort of all the, all the factors, all the themes, all the trends that are leading to divisiveness, whether it's the Internet, people being in these sort of bubbles on the Internet where they're only hearing their own perspectives. Mm-hmm. When we look at white supremacy, all those things are fed by that same those same trends and those same same themes, they're just more extreme. Um, and so we really have to, to change the paradigm and change all of those things. Um, and that will not only make our country better, it will also defeat the most extreme elements of, of ideology. 
Yeah, you make you make an excellent point, and I think a lot of organizations that work to communicate across divides, um, I think need to do is acknowledge exactly what you just acknowledged. You know that that the two situations or the two realities exist in together. Uh, it's important to have conversations across divides. It's also true that there are, you know, forces at work trying to derail that. And, um, it, you know, I, I've been thinking a lot more since the election about the kumbaya versus fear, you know, going on and, 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 how, to, and how to reconcile that. And I think you really, you know, had a really interesting take on it. Um, it yeah, absolutely. And, and so, yeah, in the wake of something like Charlottesville, when when we're ready to to throw you know when people are ready to just throw in the towel and be like that's it standing up of course stand up against hate um but don't lose sight of the fact that you've got a lot of neighbors out there that you can work together with even if they think differently than you do absolutely and i think the other thing is that people feel millions of people on the left and right feel invisible in this country they feel unheard um they feel disrespected and i think People who are opposing white supremacy need to understand that that whole um, equivalency issue, right? That there are there are many sides, or that there are you know there's badness or blame to go on many sides. That's very appealing and very attractive to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And so I think we need to be really clear about um, who's who's at blame, right? In Charlottesville, that was white supremacists and Nazis. Mm -hmm. um, and at the same time, be really clear that we solve hate speech by having more speech, not less. Right. Um, and that we need to make sure that people feel heard and that we can have these conversations and discussions in ways that we can impart things that are true and real um, and, and people can understand each other. And that is how you start to reduce this stuff, not by telling people to shut up. Yeah, yeah. So, so as, as One America, how do you train, uh, how do you train or teach or work with the, uh, the people that, take part in in this kind of difficult in these difficulties so i'm thinking um you know people i know who are of color that's it i don't want to talk to someone who thinks both sides are to blame even if they're not white supremacists i'm done with those people you know and and yeah. e even you know and and people on the conservative end of the spectrum are like i don't i don't want to talk to someone who thinks i'm a bad person um, so, so how does how I don't know is this relevant? How would you how would you help bring your participants together on something like that? I don't I don't uh, I don't tell people how to handle this. Yeah. I think especially not people of color who are dealing with this right now. Um, I I'm no way qualified to tell them what the appropriate response is. I think I think we all need to do our best. Mm -hmm. I think we also need to stop yelling at each other online about, you know, whether this strategy or that tactic is, is this or that. But I, I think we all need to do our best. And what I'm doing is um, trying to work to bring people together so that we can reduce racism and Islamophobia, so that we can reduce divisiveness, yeah. um, that people can engage in ways that are positive and constructive. Um, we've had a lot of people of color participate. We've had a lot of Muslims participate. We've had a lot of conservatives participate. Um, that was their choice, and I'm glad that they chose to participate. But I don't, I don't spend my time trying to uh, um, tell people that they need to if they don't feel that that's right for them. Yeah. No, that's completely fair. Um, uh, do you have at least uh, guidelines for how people can navigate this with each other, or no? You, it's just a matter of allowing them to sort of figure it out. 
You know, it, it's a great question. We're this year, especially, what we're doing is really trying to get our own house in order first. And yeah. so we are doing these projects um, this year really as pilots, where we are learning from them, um, honing our tactics. Mm-hmm. Um, we are working, as I said, with neuroscientists and social science experts, conflict resolution experts, groups like Civity, um, to really try to make our programs as effective as possible. Yeah. And make sure that what we're doing is helpful and not harmful. Um, Once we feel like we have that really down, um, I think then we definitely are going to be trying to model it across the country and and have guidelines and so forth. But right now, everything we do is guided by science, guided by experts, guided by um, participants themselves who give us feedback. Um, But uh, by no means is it a finished product. No, that makes complete sense. No, and and and. I, I, again, I have to commend you for that because you're getting out there, you're trying things, you're exploring, and some of the some of the work you're doing is incredible. Like the idea of having people be physical together, and it, it, that's incredible to me. You know that that idea that just hey, let's go do some physical volunteering, and wow, in the process of it, we've just made a connection we didn't expect to make. That's to me revolutionary. Um, yeah. So I'm really excited about about the work you're doing. Um, you know. Thank you. Oh yeah, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna. I I I I want to think about um, you know the the times that are coming up. You know, uh, as of as of this recording, uh, we haven't heard yet, but our president is scheduled to give a speech this evening about um, his plans for Afghanistan. We've got uh, we've still got sort of rumblings surrounding his his engagements with North Korea. We've of course got um, you know the the, the home you know the the stuff we're dealing here on our own grounds with differences of opinion and potential violence at rallies in the bay area you may know this weekend uh there's apparently a um an alt-right rally scheduled for saturday in san francisco and sunday in the east bay so um the community is trying to figure out how to deal with that and those are as you said in the very beginning those are the extremes those are the things that are more difficult to bring people together on however they are what's in the front of people's minds as they watch the other side um so i'm just you know in so you know in this climate and this climate has you know you started one america because this climate began um this climate has persisted and deepened um so you know i'm just curious where do you want to take one america from here um as as we move through this this time in our history i think that um what we want to be is a vehicle and a movement. So what we want to do is um, offer ourselves as a vehicle to address any divides in society that need to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a vehicle that people can use to um, to really engage with people who they, they don't already know. Um, and I think that um, what we want to do, you know, in the longer term is, is, is have that vehicle be as powerful as possible. So it's designed as effectively as possible um, and accessible uh, as broadly as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, I think there's this important piece of, of the puzzle that is the messaging and um, the, the idea that this voice needs to be out there in the public, calling for respect and inclusion, um, calling for people to uh, not assume the worst motives of, of the other side and so forth. And um, so as much as possible, we want to build that. We want to build our our Facebook following, our email following. We want to build our media um, 
uh, voice and so forth. So that's really what we're what we're focused on right now. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And how can people engage with you? I'm sure there are people who are going to hear this who are going to think to themselves, "Hey, I, this is this is work I want to do. This is something I think I need in my life." How how can people engage with you? Yeah. Um, so first and easiest steps are to go to our website, oneamericamovement.org. Um, you can click to join the movement. Um, you can like us on Facebook. Those are the easy things. <laughs> um, we are very interested in the concept of One America chapters. If you're interested in starting a chapter in your area, um, you can uh, go to the website and, and there's an email address um, that you can that you can reach out to. Um, and then if you're interested in doing a project, um, we are not um, accepting sort of we can't promise that we can do any project right now just mm-hmm. because of the, the nature of our organization right now, but we are always open to listen to them, and if it's something that we can help make happen, we'd love to do that. That's wonderful. Um, so those are really the, the uh, things. And then I think the other piece is that you could have an event like the one we're doing Wednesday, mm-hmm. or if you want to get people together just to talk about this concept, they can all be liberals, they can all be conservatives, it doesn't matter. Um you know, and and, uh, and put together an event, uh, you know, that might be something that I can speak at. So that's that's another possibility as oh, well. Wonderful. And, and uh, forgive me, uh, you may you referenced this earlier, but how, how do you find the projects? I realize that it's a, a large undertaking and it's difficult to service every community, but how do you identify projects? We, um, we sort of built out a schedule where we try to hit certain geographic areas and engage certain populations. Mm-hmm. So... We organize them from scratch, basically, um, in those areas, and uh, you know, sometimes things fell into our lap, and sometimes we sort of went out and said, "We're going to make this happen." Um, <laughs> but that was it was a combination of those. So, so as you build out, as you sort of, you know, try things, figure out what works, grow, uh, reach more people, bring more people together. Um, you know, I, I I'm wondering, you know, what you what you want to you know what you might want to say. What what you might what you want to say that we haven't talked about yet, or what what do you think it's important for for listeners out there to know? I think it's important for people to know that, um, <laughs> in some sense, uh, doing this makes you a happier person. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, we have so much fear built up. We have so much. We, we build up so many walls around our hearts, around our our bodies, around. Um, our communities to keep the other people out, um, and I think that when we when we let those walls down and, and really go engage people and actually meet them, um, a lot of that fear goes away because we realize they're just people like us. And I think that our country has a lot of struggles right now with happiness. You know, we look at the the hopelessness uh, involved in the opioid epidemic. Or the crack epidemic before that, um, the huge levels of depression and mental illness and um, and uh, the incarceration rate and so forth. Um, you know, I think we need to we need to live healthier lives, and part of that is not uh, not walling ourselves off from millions and millions of people simply because of who they voted for or what they believe about certain political issues. Um, and I think that's a really important thing for people to, to try to do. 
You're absolutely right. And I, I wanted to ask you, uh, can you think of a specific instance where you realized that this work was making you happier? Yeah, you know, I think I've had some conversations with people where some really emotional stuff came out, um, which is not something I can share. But I think uh, those moments were transformative in the sense that these were things that people were holding on to. Um, and, and now they're going to be sharing them with people who are, quote unquote, on the other side. Um, and I think when, when that happens and when I'm witness to that, um, it's a really powerful experience that makes me feel like, um, like what we're doing is, is right. And, you know, I think in terms of the Charlottesville stuff, I had the, the great and very emotional experience on Saturday of giving a sermon at a synagogue mm-hmm. about responding to hate with love and, and realizing afterwards that the man sitting in the front row had survived Auschwitz. Um, and the fact that his daughter was so positive about um, about what I had said, uh, I think, was really um, humbling and really, really made me very happy because um, when 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 that family is on board with love um, over hate, then um, you know the rest of us, I think, can can figure out how to get over over whatever stuff we have. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Wow, that's that's extremely powerful. Um, well, on that, on that note, I'd like to um, I'd like to wrap up this interview and remind everybody that uh, this Wednesday there's going to be a Bay Area launch event for the One America Movement in Berkeley. And where exactly? Uh, I think it's thirteen sixteen University Avenue. It's Congregation Netivot Shalom on University Avenue in Berkeley. Wonderful. And and what time is the event? Uh, Six thirty p.m. Six thirty p.m. You can. Uh, Find out more information at uh, oneamericamovement.org. Oneamericamovement.org. Um, yep, and then just go to events and you'll find it. Okay, wonderful. So thank you so much for your time, uh, Andrew. That We've been speaking with Andrew Hanauer, who's the director of One America, uh, and he's been generous enough to give some time today uh, in advance of his event. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. Really okay. appreciate it. All right. You've been listening to This is Civity Radio here on KSFS. And this is Civity. It helps people in communities build a culture of respect and empathy across difference. And our interviews explore how people across the country and world are doing this in their communities. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to Chumba Casino and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.